Hello and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. I'm Dave. I'm Chris. It's like, I don't want to go into that. Um, into what? It's like you put this pressure on me to say that. It's like, and I don't, it's like, and you refuse to say. What, to bring up what happened? No, to say it's that tagline at the beginning of every episode. Oh, uh, yeah, well, you gotta say it. You gotta introduce it and you gotta do the same intro. Why don't you just do it from now on? <clears throat> okay. Okay. You'll do it from now on? Yeah. Great. So, we have a very, 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 very um, tragic piece of news, which is that Andrew, uh, from two episodes ago, episode 110, uh, died. Hippie hobo Andrew. He died yesterday. Yeah. Um, it's a somber moment in dopey history. It's, it's fucking tragic. It's horrible. It's fucked up. I, um... Well, it's like we do this thing and we laugh at it. And Dave and I were talking about this yesterday about how, like, should we be more serious? And, like, that's just not possible. You know, that's just not how we are and how we approach recovery and life in general. But the reality of the situation is that this is going to continually happen. People are going to keep dying. And the, the, the people that we know through Dopey, not even talking about personal, like, friends and whatnot who have passed away... It's only been a couple now. Three. Three. But uh, it's probably even more than that. Because those know are about. people who were super active in terms of reaching out, and we found out from their families, you know? And we have no idea who lives or who dies. And the really fucked up thing is that Andrew was doing good. You know what I'm saying? Andrew went to treatment. Yeah. Andrew got a Vivitrol shot. I met with Andrew on yeah. Wednesday. And even when we listened to him, like, he was like excited about life in general. He wasn't like, ah, I'm going to use, you know what I mean? There was fight in him. There was fight in him. Um, I saw him on Wednesday morning, and he was in good spirits. Smiling, laughing. We, we had a ton of laughs. We were. Uh, I, I met him on Union Square, and I took him to a coffee shop, and we, we had Did you a take him to coffee shop? I took him to coffee shop. Yeah. And I took him to Dopey a... Nation, there's a no, coffee shop called Coffee no, Shop. No, I didn't take him to coffee shop. I thought That's I just like a fancy say... swanky one. No, I took him to the Bean. Oh, I was going to say, you wouldn't take anyone to coffee shop. No, I like coffee shop. It's expensive. Yeah, for, especially for a cup of coffee. Yeah. But um, I remember when I was a kid, the waitresses there were super hot. Yeah, they're so pretty hot. But this place was pretty good, too. So, Andrew. But um, we went to um, the Bean, and we sat up front... And, like, I kind of feel guilty. I don't feel guilty, but I feel a little weird because Andrew said to me that he wasn't going to uh, be sober. He's going to smoke weed. That he, was, said, he said on the show, too. He said he was going to smoke weed. And I, and I was like, and how many times do I have to tell him that I don't think that's a good idea? Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't eat once. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't, I just said, I said, maybe I'm a little jealous. I said to him, sitting outside of the bean, that yeah. you get to smoke weed. But mostly... I fear for you because you're going to get a taste of it and you're, it's so easy. It's so much easier to not do anything yeah. than say, I'm going to do a little of this, a little of this, yeah. but not that. It's like, it's so much, it's so easy just to not do anything. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just think it's so e or I would say a heroin <laughs> relapse. <laughs> but see, when you're in the throes of it, you see it as the opposite. It's so much easier just to smoke a little pot. That's, that's what it feels like. From his perspective. You know what I mean? Because it's something. You still have some sort of medicine. Um, you know what I'm saying? Of course. And I've been there. I, I've been there where um, 
I get out of treatment and I'm like, I'm not going to do dope anymore. I'm not going to do dope anymore, but I'm going to smoke a little pot. And I would, I remember I've sat with who knows how many counselors sitting with the counselor saying, I'm not going to do heroin again, but I'm definitely going to smoke weed. Like, yeah. I had Andrew's exact line, yeah. which is another reason why Andrew's death. See, up. you were so much different than me. What? Because even if my intention was to do that, I would just be like, I'm not going to do anything ever again. Mm. I would leave treatment and I would say, I'm not going to, I don't want to do dope. I don't want to do pills, but I'm going to smoke weed. Yeah. There was a store. Well, let's just stay on this. Yeah. Um, then we, me and Andrew leave the coffee. I'm late. I'm getting late for work. And I asked Andrew if he wanted to walk downtown with me and he did. And he had a bike. He was wearing a, a did he walk his bike? Yeah. And, uh, and he looked good. You know, he looked healthy. He's like 24 years old and, and full of smiles. And, um, and I was, you know, all I ever talked to anybody, about, he wanted to be the intern. Yeah. So I'm talking about how we can make Dopey better. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? He's like, well, what did you have in mind? And I was like, well, he listens to other podcasts. Yeah. He listened to other podcasts. Yeah. And he was talking about different sponsors that every podcast uses and why can't we use it? Yeah. I was like, oh, that's a good idea. And I was like, this is what I want you to do. I want you to um, get contact information for sponsors. Get contact information for guests. Um Think about how we can have more exposure. I gave him fucking 50 cards. Yeah. You know, and then we're wa- when we walk down 11th Street and we turn right on, like, 4th Avenue, which is a very, like, weird street where 4th Avenue and Lafayette are, and there's this woman on the street, and she's like, they're not going to test me today. It's like a methadonian yeah. just on the street. And I went, Andrew, did you hear that? And he starts laughing. He's like, yeah, it's a methadonian. I was like, she was, he was like, you should start doing more recordings out in the street with people who you That use. was great that one day when you recorded the guy in the morning. It's always good and he was like you should do more of that. We're talking about and we're talking about straight out of rehab. It was like I was talking about Dave Marshall with him. Yeah. You know how sad it was that he had died? Wow. You know like wow. and we talked about like we were we were we were laughing at the methadone person and we were And laughing. this is how many is less than 24 hours before he died. Less than 24 hours before he died. It's crazy. You were shook. How are you feeling now? Uh, I feel sad. I feel residually sad. When um, So then he dropped me off at work and he was so excited, you know, to do this. And he, yeah. te- he told me he was going to talk to his father because his father is a corporate real estate guy and his father has ideas about marketing or whatever. Yeah. I was like, great. Yeah. Kidding me? All the help we can get. Yeah. And, uh, and, then I, and then I worked and I felt like good. Yeah. I felt like we could offer him something. He was going to help push yeah, it's dopey. a project. Hobby, hobby, hobby. But I just felt good that we could offer it yeah, to him. Absolutely. And I felt good to have... You know, I want people on the squad. Yeah. You know, and then I went home and um, I guess I didn't think about it. And then the next day I went to work and I'm going home and um, I get on the just train and I look in my email and it's his <laughs> father who says... Should I read it? Sure. His father emails me. I never met his father. Um, emails us. And he says... Uh, what does he say? He says... David, I know you met with Andrew yesterday. I wanted to tell you that he passed away from an overdose this morning. 
I know he liked you and hoped to do something with you, but the demons won. And I was on the Long Island Railroad, and uh, and my stomach fell out. Yeah. And um, what did you write back to him? I didn't see the response. I wrote. Uh, not the greatest email I've ever written. I wrote, Dear Mr. Cohen, I'm so sorry to hear that. I thought he had gotten the Vivitrol shot. I really liked Andrew, too. I'm so very sorry this happened. To hear this news. If there's anything I can do, please let me know on my best. Yeah. yeah. All right. What should I have written? No, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to write, he was an, a wonderful kid and blah. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah of course. Like, yeah, he yeah. wrote me like two hours after his yeah. son is fucking dead. Yeah. You know, I didn't know what else to write. Yeah. But I do feel insecure that I, that wasn't the right thing to write. I think in these situations, the way I always look at it is he's going to have an outpouring. First of all, who knows if he wants it. But either way, he's going to have an outpouring of people talking to him, friends and family. And I think what's always good is six months, a year down the road, drop him a two-sentence email. Because I feel like so many people die these deaths, you know, and to know that they're remembered in some capacity... I, I, I'm just assuming, you know what I mean? I don't have a child and, like, you know, someone who's passed away that's dear to me. But to know that they're remembered a year later, two years later, five years later, that's comforting on a different level. Because what's going to happen is a million people say something and then you're alone with it, you know, in a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. Forever, you you know? look at Dave Marshall's death. That's, I mean, I, I sent him a handwritten letter six months after he died. Um, I don't even know if he got it or anything. And I sent it to an old P.O. box I had of his. But I still, and that's how I process it too. Is I don't get super upset, and I wasn't close to Andrew. I just met him that one time. But for people I've known that have passed away, it's like I just—it's weird for me. Two years later, when something cool has happened in my life, randomly I'll remember them and be like, "Nothing's cool is happening in their life anymore." Do you know what I mean? I remember usually in tandem with like a positive event, a milestone of <clears throat> some sort of like a development in my life. Do you know what I'm saying? A girlfriend, apartment, a job, a career prospect, something like that happens, and that's a good thing. Then I think of people I knew who passed away because of this disease. That's when I get sad. Yeah, it's. it's um, I was. It was. It was funny. I was walking through um, the Union Square Farmers Market, and he's like, "Where are you?" And I said, uh, I'm in the Union Square Farmer's Market. I'm looking for huckleberries. Did uh, you really say that? Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. And, um, and he laughed. And, like, it's like his father, right, to write his demons want. Yeah. You know, his father has, have, has probably been around this with him. For years. For years. And Andrew was yeah, worried Andrew about. Yeah, Andrew was selectively homeless, you know. <clears throat> not to mention, I mean, like, he was for worried years. about. He was worried that we called him a hippie. Instead of a hobo. Yeah. And meanwhile, he's, you know, it's just, it just goes to show. Yeah. You know, and I, and I really see it as like, um, you're, it's, it's suspended adolescence. It's, it's like addiction. It's like addiction in our population of a young man whose life is provided for them, who worries about being called a hippie or a hobo, you know, like, it's like, we just skate by in this world. Yeah. And like, and our parents really suffer. Totally. You know what I mean? And his father probably really suffered. My, when I told my dad, yeah. you should have seen the look on his face because I know what he's thinking. <laughs> he's into you. you know? Yeah, that yeah, could have course. been me. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, I'm sad Andrew died. 
you know, and yeah. and, uh, and and I and also you know it needs to be said. Obviously, what we said last night was just the truth. It's like as as much as like I would love to have like the most positive fucking show about being grateful for sobriety. Yeah. Like that's not a show that you and I could do. I I think. Well, hold on. I think that we do do that. I think it's more the cautionary tale of drug use. We're not going to do that. No, but we fucking... It's like this movie. There was this movie, Red Dawn. You ever see Red Dawn? I've heard of it. They made a remake of it recently. But in the movie, um, Russia and Cuba invade the heartland of America. and, And six high school students flee to the wilderness... To fight the communists, okay? They, they stock up on all sorts of weapons and, you know, grenades and food and cans of beans and fucking, but, you know. It's like toy soldiers. I never saw that. Guns. Is it, what is that? Let's just keep going. Hey, what is it? It's like these people go take over high school, like these, like, uh, military, paramilitary sort of mercenary bad guys. And, like, the students, like, get the guns and fight back. I guess it's like that. Yeah. But Red Dawn in the 80s... I actually have a fucking great Toy Soldiers story, but keep going. It was a classic Cold War story. It was with Charlie Sheen and... Uh, was he a kid? Yeah. Okay. And um, Patrick Swayze oh, and okay. Jennifer Grey. And oh. it was like this like... It's great. But it was like 1985. Okay, what does this have to do? Okay, so they're fighting the communists... And they're, like, running off in the field and fucking and enjoying their life and this and that. And then all of a sudden, on one raid, like, three of them die. Yeah. And it's like, we sit around and we laugh and we put up fucking Instagram memes of, like, dumb fucking drug funny shit. And we're laughing and laughing and it's so funny. And then Andrew's dead. And it's like, obviously, everyone's going to fucking die of this thing. Do you know what I mean? It's like, chances are, if you're fuck, I mean... A lot of people live to be old, but with this fentanyl and whatever. The fentanyl is. Let me ask you this, because a friend of mine asked me about this, with fentanyl. Like, do they sell fentanyl in the street as fentanyl? No. Like, May- like maybe. Let so me get that I fent. Know, I've heard. I've I got heard, your fence. I've heard a lot of people doing dope, and fentanyl detects differently in your urinalysis. Your so you know afterwards. And so, but I'm saying afterwards, and they're not even doing any dope. It's just straight fentanyl. 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 So... Well, I mean, this is what I'm asking you. If fentanyl is 30 times stronger than dope, yeah. is that what it is? I don't know. I think it's like 100. And then there's car fentanyl, which is even stronger. So why wouldn't they just brand the bags fent? Like, wasn't everybody wanting something that's 100 times stronger than dope? Yeah. I, yeah, I don't get it either. If I was using... Yeah, if you had a monster habit, you'd want the fentanyl. I think the problem with it is it's so strong, and they order it pure from these, like... Uh, like shitty labs. I don't know if they're shitty, but from labs in like China and stuff like that. And it's just really hard. Shitty Chinese labs? It's just really hard to cut it right. Do you know what I mean? Because the overdose, if you get pure fentanyl, is like a, it's less than a match head. You know, it's like grains of sand. You know, it's like really, really tiny. So picture you have to chop that up evenly with cut. You know what I mean? Like it's pretty hard to do it. So one bag could be wicked strong and one couldn't, you know? One bag could be wicked strong. Wicked strong. Let me tell you my Toy Soldiers story real quick before we go. Are we switching paces here? I'm just wondering, Dopey Nation, whoever's using out there, are there any fentanyl uh Yeah, have you ever heard of anybody actually stamps? on the street selling fentanyl? I got your fent. 
Yeah. This Fantas Fire. Well, I mean, we like um, for me, fentanyl was duragesic, like when I used. It wasn't like in dope, you know? It was the patch. It was the patches, and you took the gel out, and you mixed it up, and you fired the gel up. You know? That's a great word. You love those words. Duragesic? You, like, don't have no- good words. You have these fucking... These ridiculous words. Duragesic is just the brand name for a medicine. But, like, what's that word? Uh, encephalate? Like, you like words <laughs> encephalate. like Encephalate. Well, the one I couldn't say. Extrapolate? You couldn't say... Reprobate. Reprobate. <laughs> reprobate. You couldn't say reprobate. You couldn't say combative. Right, let me tell you my story. But encephalate and... and <laughs> Duragesic is a brand? Duragesic, yeah. This is the fentanyl patches. Let me just tell you... But admit it. Your vocabulary is weird. The like, vocabulary sucks. What, I know. Weird. I just learned a few things to try to dazzle some people. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my friend, I have this one friend who listens to Dopey, and he he'll, he'll he rant, hates my shit. He I just mean. randomly, you know, he'll, he doesn't. He thinks you're great. He yeah. finds you to be like thinks you're great. He thinks you're funny. He thinks you're great on the show, yeah. but he thinks you're just such an idiot. Yeah. And like he, he he sends me like combative. He's like Chris is such a retard. <laughs> he sends me stuff like that all the time. All right, toy soldiers, real quickly. You're going to hate this story, all right? So there used to be this service called Cosmo.com that was in Washington, D.C., Boston, New York City, and Chicago, I believe. And the deal was, this is in like 2002, 2003 or something, 2001, 2002, is you could order anything online and have it delivered, most things online and have it delivered to you in under an hour. You could literally order like... like, like on Cosmo? On Cosmo.com. You could order like C-O-S-M-O? a bottle. C-O-S-M-O? It was K-O-Z-M-O.com. I've heard of that. Yeah, and it, w- it went out of business. And you could rent movies on Cosmo.com. Okay. And so, and there was drop-off boxes all over. So you'd rent the movie, they'd deliver it to your door, and then when you were done watching it, there was drop-off boxes all over the city when they delivered, like Ben and Jerry's and Domino's and stuff like that. So me and my brother, I visited him in college, and we rented this movie called Toy Soldiers, the one that I referenced earlier. But they delivered Just to us. <laughs> but they delivered the wrong toy soldiers, right? It was the shitty budget. Like honestly, they must have made the movie on like thirty grand. It was the shittiest budget movie. They would try to do like concurrent. Um, they would try to film like concurrent uh, scenes, right? And like one would be sunset, and one would be um, like uh, dark out. Or, or I'm sorry, one would be. Uh, Sunset, and one would be dark out. Do you know what I mean? Like, they didn't have enough film to, like, film concurrent scenes. Are you following what I'm saying? Like, loosely. <laughs> so, just, anyways, all you gotta know is this is the shittiest fucking movie ever. But Tim Robbins was in it. And he was, like, 17. And he had, like, a three-minute part in it, right? Really small. And so, I'm down... We watched the movie twice. It was so bad. It was Why like, did you watch it twice? Because we would laugh at it, because it was, it was so funny. shitty. It was funny how bad it was. And so, I was in the Caribbean, and I was at a, at a hotel pool... And Tim Robbins was there. And Tim Robbins goes up to the bar, and I'm with my brother. And I go, and Tim Robbins is by himself. The person at the bar is not there. And I go up to the bar next to him. And he looks over at me, and I look at him, and I look away. And I look back at him, and I go, excuse me. I go, weren't you in Toy Soldiers? <laughs> and he literally just, like, stares at me for a little bit and, like, kind of, like, looks confused. And then he starts laughing, and he goes... That's the first movie he's like I was ever in. He's like nobody's ever mentioned that to me. That's before. funny. Yeah. And then when where how old were you? I was in high school because my brother was in college when we watched it. And it was short, I must have been seventeen, sixteen, something. I don't know. That's funny. Yeah. And that was the first thing that popped in your head. What? Not like Shawshank Redemption or the player. No, I, I was sitting with my brother and I was like I should go ask him about Toy Soldiers. Uh, so you, you you planned it out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, Saran, and Susan Sarandon was there. 
She was with him. She has really big boobs. I think they're not together anymore. No, I don't think so. Did you see uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show? No. I mean, yeah, I've seen bits and pieces of it. Um, she's in that. Uh, let's call it. Let's call this woman. Okay. But let me hit that. Anyway, I want to. I want to just also say, like, um, Dopey Nation, like. Be careful. You know what I mean? Like, be in touch and be careful and, you know. And go on the, sh- get on the Vivitrol, have the Narcan. I know you don't like the uh, replacement therapies, but, I mean, if consider that. Do whatever you can do. I mean, you know, step one, stop using. You know what I mean? That would be great. Get clean. It'd be awesome. If you can't get clean, do whatever you can do to not die. Especially if you're, like, big in the Dopey Nation community. Yeah. Because we don't, I don't want to hear about anybody else dying. It makes me sad. Um, Maybe you should start a podcast. Called Don't Die? Called Don't Die. Yeah, I've been thinking about starting a podcast <laughs> called Don't Die. Hmm. No, I'm just saying, like, I like to have fun, and uh, I just, I don't want to get into the whole replacement therapy, whatever. We thing. will again later. I want, if, if that makes somebody's life better forever, fucking great. Yeah. You know, I just don't see it that way. That's fine. You know, I see like incredible trouble coming out of the corners of your eyes. Yeah. I just want our listeners to, uh, I want everybody to be as good as they can. And I want to also say, it's like, as you know, we ran into one of Chris's friends, uh, at, at my job randomly. He was just an hour ago. Yeah. And, um, and how much time does he have? He's got, I mean, he didn't relapse. I went to rehab with him, with you. So yeah. what's that, like six, seven years? So he had six or seven years ago, and he's introducing us to two new sober guys. friends of his. And he's still, like, super involved in AA. Oh, those were new guys? I think so, yeah. That one guy definitely seemed new. And, um... Maybe not, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But then they, he asked us <laughs> how much time we had, and I was like, and I felt kind of stupid. I was like, two and a half years, and Chris is like, almost four years. Yeah. Um... Because, like, Aunt, that guy, Andrew, has seven years, and we couldn't put that time together. Yeah. You know what I mean? And but like, Andrew smoked salvia at Mountain Zion. Do you know that? It'll tarnish his record a little bit for you. That's not the point. <laughs> My point is, like, we do this podcast on being clean and talking about our past and yeah. recovery. But the fact was, like, I wasn't always clean. You know, I was way more. I feel like I've always been clean now. No. You know, I feel like that, though. Yeah, you know, but it's not as hard as it, as it seems to to get to the other. In side the beginning, of it. it's fucking seems impossible. Right, you're asking to part ways with the only thing that's ever offered any relief, or I was at least. You know, it was literally the one thing in my life I found. I was like, God, like I fucking love this. Like it is great. Like it makes life so much better. It was like the only thing, you know what I mean? And then my fucking whole identity was tied up in it. Was it the only thing? Yeah, my identity was so tied up in it too where it was like, you know, before I became like a real bad junkie, it was like, oh, like I was a guy who like drank a lot and was fun to drink with and I smoked a lot of weed and I was crazy and zany and people didn't know what I was going to do and people actually enjoyed like using with me. Even when I was not partying, even when I was like drinking alcoholically, they still liked to drink with me. And then... um, so it was like saying goodbye to my identity. It was just so many on so many levels, you know. For me, it was like it was this thing that gave me utter relief, yeah. And then like wanting to feel that way all the time. Like it wasn't my like it was not like 
there's somebody in the Dopey Nation who wrote me and was was asking me to talk about like New York City stories from when I was a kid and whatever. Yeah. And when I was a kid, like I was a good fucking yeah, kid. Yeah, you walked around. Yeah, I just walked around. I hung out with my friends. Threw I threw shit off the roof. Yeah, when I was older. I, I found the relief of getting out of my head yeah. through drugs, through yeah. weed, and then eventually heroin and pills. And once I had it, it was like, why would I do anything else? You know, it played into all of my insecurities and all of my fear and, and all that comfort. And also to be defiant through chemistry was like, what an easy way to be defiant. Yeah. You know, why do I have to worry about anything besides feeling like that? But getting out of it, it, it actually, I mean, I think it was a miracle. That I got out of it the way I got out of it because it just sort of stopped. Yeah, you know what I mean. It just—it was. My mother died. My daughter was born. It was big shakeups. Yeah, like and it had to stop. Yeah, you know. But then I didn't want to give up weed. Yeah, and then I did. And I just think, like, understandably, what you're saying in terms of our listeners, how hard it would be to say I'm done. Yeah. You know, it's not as easy as that, but I'm saying on the flip side, it's not as easy as it is. It's way easier than they think it is. Oh, it yeah. feels like shit, but it's so much easier than you than they think it is. It's like a prolonged fucking, it's almost like withdrawing from dope. It's like the fear of it when it starts coming on is worse than when it actually is in reality. The, the weirdest thing about it for me is it's totally cigarettes. Because I was so scared to stop smoking. Yeah. I was fucking, I... I in my mind, I would be in withdrawal if I stopped smoking cigarettes. That's all I could think. Yeah. That if I stopped smoking cigarettes, I'd get sick. Yeah. Like, like withdrawal. Yeah. And then, like, and I was like, I can't do it. I smoke. I'm a smoker. I can't do it. I smoke. And then I stopped smoking. I was like, I guess I don't have to smoke. Yeah. You know? Whatever. It was just... Um, should I read this email before we call her or no? Whatever you want to do. <clears throat> I, re- I just we got to get through some of these. I'm going to read this email real quickly, and then we have two callers on this episode. So this is from Mandy. She's an ex-pharmacist. Hi, I wanted to reach out and say hey and thanks for your podcast. I am in recovery for almost two and a half years after many attempts to get sober since 2001. I was a pharmacist with a pretty bad drug and alcohol addiction. I was in an abusive relationship until 2001 with my high school sweetheart, who ended up being a monster. I was 25 at the time and had stayed high in opiates and other stuff consistently for about three years, starting from the time I got my pharmacist license. I'm talking 24 hours a day. I had an endless supply of opiates. I never had to go into withdrawal, and I would go home and drink a fifth or more of vodka or whatever was around. I was taking 10 to 15 pills at a time and got up to about 90 pills a day. I would eat Norco 10 and Vicoprofen by the handfuls. My ankles and legs were so swollen from all the fluid that I was retaining, I could push on my ankle and my fingerprint would stay indented in my leg. It was so disgusting. And I'm not a big person at all, but my legs look like sausages. I was puking blood a lot. One day I chugged a bottle of rum before getting into my car and driving to work. I woke up in the ER many hours later, hooked up to IVs, and they gave me Narcan. The Narcan was so awful. I instantly pissed myself and then proceeded to shit myself. Some tiny little poop pebbles, since as you know, you don't poop with opiates, so they had been baking in my guts for a while. Evidently, my blood alcohol had been over 0.4 plus all the pills. If I hadn't driven to work that day, I might not have been here to tell you about it. Fast forward over the next 15 years, I've been in multiple monitoring programs for impaired pharmacists and gone to several detox and rehabs. I managed to fly under the radar and keep my RPH license intact, quitting a few jobs before getting found out or fired until June 3, 2015, when I got fired for stealing drugs from my job. I went to a rehab later that day. 
Besides being a druggy thief, I was a really great employee and had even received awards at work, so it was a shock to everyone around me. So I've been sober since that day and attend 12-step meetings, work with a sponsor, and all that jazz. A couple months into recovery, I was in yet another pharmacist monitoring program and having to be at their beck and call when they wanted a P-test, having to get a card signed at meetings, etc., and I felt resentful towards the monitoring program. I was like, I want to be sober because I want to be sober, not because I have to in order to keep my license for a career I am miserable in anyways. I decided to let my pharmacist license expire and told the board of pharmacy my wishes to not be a pharmacist anymore. I made the decision to become a hairdresser, something I've always wanted to do. I've always been an artsy and creative person and pharmacy was stifling, but I was young when I made that career choice and just wanted to make a lot of money. I always said if I could, I would go to school for hair. So now was the time. We had to sell our house and I got a job at a local salon working as a receptionist. I finished school in February and I'm working as a stylist at the salon. I love what I do and I even won a scholarship to attend a Sassoon Academy, being one of only 10 picked nationally for the award. I know this email is already long. When I listen to Dopey, I always think I have funny stories, but then I realize, oh no, that's just really sad. I did find it funny to hear one of you talk about putting heroin in an eyedropper bottle. I used to do this with liquid Dilaudid. I loved it because I could just pop a few mils in my mouth whenever I was. I have the usual stories about being so messed up and trying to use the ottoman as a toilet or purposely turning my head towards my then-boyfriend when I had to puke and vomiting all over him during a Pink Floyd laser light show so as to avoid puking on myself or a stranger. Good times. Anyways, thanks for bringing a laugh and hope to the subject of addiction. My family doesn't think it's particularly funny, so it's nice to find that humor with fellow junkies. Keep up the dopey, Mandy. Nice. It's great. <clears throat> Thanks, Mandy. Love that, Mandy. That was that was the perfect email. Yeah. Um, now we're gonna call this woman Callie. I don't remember anything about her. I just know that she has a blog, and uh, and she wants to interview us for her blog. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> What's her name? Callie. Hey, Callie. Hey. Is it Callie? How are you? Yes, it's Callie. This is Dave, and Chris is here with me. Hey, Callie. Oh, my gosh. Are we recording Dopey right now? We're totally recording Dopey. We're in a very swanky hotel on the Lower East Side. Really? That's so exciting. It is incredible. Where are you? I'm in Arizona, Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm putting in a headset. You have a Minnesotan accent, though. I mean, what? You sound like you're from Minnesota with your accent. <laughs> People say I have an accent, but um, I'm just nowhere special. I just talk funny, perhaps. I grew up in Utah, so maybe people there talk very animated. Callie, I used to uh, live on Camelback uh, Golf Course. Camelback Mountain Golf Course or something? Camelback Inn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Camelback Inn yeah, Golf Arizona- Course. Arizona is all golf courses. That's all we have out here. Yeah, off of Tatum in, in Scottsdale, Tatum Boulevard. Yeah, real familiar with that area. Yeah, that's great, Chris. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure she's really some vape knocks for that. <laughs> you into that, Callie? <laughs> am I am I into that he used to live out here? Yeah, that he used to live at the Camelback Golf Course or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, tell us about your blog. It's not my blog. It's my company's blog. It's Work It Health. Work It Health. On, yes, yes. We are an online addiction platform. So people who don't want to go away to treatment 
or people who want to get help getting sober at home, they log in online, they do lessons, they talk to a coach or a counselor, and I'm the community lead. It was started by two gals in long-term recovery. I used to live in the Bay Area. That's where I got sober. I got sober in Oakland. And, um, yeah, it was started by two of my friends out there that have tech backgrounds, and they hired me on to do all the blog and um, all the social media and that stuff. Right on. And you put us into your blog. We were the, like, the, the, what were, we were the podcast you shouldn't listen to if you're in recovery? <laughs> so what happened is I was trying to look for, um, as you guys probably know, out there in the recovery world, there's, like, so much stuff about after you get into recovery, right? And, um, like, self-care tips and wellness tips right, 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 and right. stuff. But it's so hard to find stuff that really speaks to, because you don't begin in that recovery world. Like, when you're thinking about getting sober, you don't say the word recovery. Like, you're just thinking about putting down drugs, and you're thinking about maybe buying Suboxone on the street, or you're thinking about how do I detox at home. You know, you're not really in this recovery world space. It's like a fantasy. The idea of yeah. recovery. It's like a vacation yeah. in your head. Exactly, exactly. So um, so that's what I was really looking for. Um, and then I found Dopey and I was like, Oh wow, this is this is real, you know, this really talks about what it was like a lot. This is um, but I had only listened to the first few podcasts in my defense when I wrote that and I think you guys do. Um, you're not afraid, like if people are missing the old life or if people are craving some of that realness right from um you know drug addicts like they don't mess around i guess they keep it real you know and if they're craving some of that i think dopey's a really good podcast to listen to so that's what i meant in my defense i didn't mean like listen to this if you want to use i just meant like if you're missing your old lifestyle um this podcast speaks to the truth and the insanity of that lifestyle better than some of the other stuff that's out there that's going to take you to more of a wellness place. Totally. And I think one of the things to mention, um, which is sort of what you were getting at, is a lot of the shows out there, they sort of speak that recovery language for people who have already been indoctrinated in that world. And we don't necessarily do that. And also a lot of them are pretty sort of formulaic in the sense that they bring somebody on the show, they share their experience, strength, and hope, and it's an hour to an hour and a half, and then the next week it's the same thing. We bring people on, but we also sort of share aspects of our lives, and there's a timeline that's unfolded over years, and hopefully it continues to unfold. Right, right, yeah, Yeah. and I think that's so important for people to see is just like you guys talk about real stuff that's going on for you as well, you know, and I also think it's important to talk about what it was like. Um, I think people are worried because it's a little bit triggering, you know, to people in early recovery, but I was trying to explain it to my boyfriend who's um, a normie, if you will, Mm -hmm. like the power in sharing war stories or in sharing those crazy things that we did and there really is this um tribal bonding feeling when you're sharing that stuff that's really hard to describe to people who haven't been there because we did the craziest things and we went so low you know and it's really hard um to live with that by yourself 
and there's a lot of power in talking about it, even if there is some risk involved in being triggered or whatnot. Right. Well, we did it. We also did it for a reason. We did it like to almost, I, I know that I did. Well, let's get to the interview. Are you going to interview us? Yes, I'm excited yeah, for the interview. Yeah, <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't want to talk this entire time. I wanted to um, just explain myself, my little blurb there. But so, yeah, I guess, are you guys um, concerned about people being triggered by the podcast at all? Because um, I think if there is a negative aspect to the war stories part of dopey or there is some it's debatable right in the recovery community it's because of that because of the possibility of these negative stories being triggered so what do you guys think about that uh i think first of all i thought there was going to be so much more of a negative outpouring when we started it um i thought that we were going to get a huge backlash like a lot of negative reviews and sort of hate mail and stuff we haven't really gotten any of that. We've gotten a little bit. We've gotten we've gotten a little bit, but the closest thing to what you're talking about, where I've been like, hmm, what are we doing? Should we be doing this? Is we've gotten um, like a couple emails from maybe people in their like late adolescence that are just sort of telling us all the different sort of drugs they did, and it would be okay. not even like a drug log. It would just be like, oh, I took like LSD with my friends this night, and we did this, and we did that, and it wasn't even it wasn't even really a story. There was no perspective. It's almost like they were just like sort of con- not confessing but just sharing with us like oh i did all these drugs and, and and like but in those cases i think that the response that dave and i have um could be critical it could be you know crucial and that's that's one of what the, do you mean it means that like if we respond to them and say hey yeah it's like super fun but if like you ever notice you're taking these things and you're experiencing like negative consequences and still doing them despite that do you know what i mean then it's like we have a, a chance to reach somebody at an age who isn't going to listen to some other sort of recovery centric show who could have a problem maybe they don't but i think our trick i, I agree with what you're saying yeah. but there's a trick to it because because when we started doing the show we were like we didn't want to make a recovery show. I thought it was a good idea that everybody loves crazy drug stories, and I thought we should have a show about crazy drug stories. Yeah. And as soon as we started started the show, it needed to be said that we weren't on drugs. Yeah. That, right. that needed to be said. And then it also needed to be said that not only are we not on drugs, but we're horrible addicts who had to get sober. Yeah. You know, that has right. to be built into the story. And once that's out there, if you're in recovery and you're telling a horrible story and you're not going to go get high afterwards, you kind of really hammer the fact that that part of my life is over. Yeah. You know, that was funny. That was crazy. That was sad. That was horrible. Yeah. But that's over now. Yeah. You know, we build that into the episodes and I think... As we went along, in the beginning, we didn't we didn't plan on it being a recovery show. Yeah. But as we went along, the recovery kind of had to pop out of the out of the snake's mouth because, like, it needed to in order for me and Chris to like sleep at to night. sleep at night. And, and and Callie, like, I, I work in the addiction treatment field, and with the sort of milieu of clients you have, like, sometimes it starts to get uh, a little bit more war story. And we kind of steer them away from that. But I do think there can be extreme value in it if you're doing it to connect with another human being. And then you say, holy shit, this guy's got the same thing I got. There's no shame behind it. And he seems happy now or she seems happy now. 
how did you do it? How did you stop? So the war stories can be a conduit to get to that place. But when it's a bunch of people active or in early recovery and they're just saying triggering shit, there is a chance that they'll go out and use because of it. So that's a super valid question you're asking. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think there's a difference in the intention behind it. Sometimes people try and tell stuff to, like, one-up people, you know, and sometimes people tell it just because it's getting it out there and avoiding shame and being like, addiction is really crazy, it's really fucked up, and we overcame it. And I feel like dopey always comes from the second part. It's not like you guys are like, look at how hardcore we were. It's like we're trying, you know addiction's really fucked up and we're talking about it to get over the shame, so. I think the best dopey stories aren't the most hardcore, they're the most pathetic. <laughs> you know? Right? It's like, those yeah. are the best ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so, I have a list of questions. Let me pull it up here. Um, so you guys are friends, right? And you're working together on a podcast as well. We Do were friends. Think- we were friends until Chris got into this new relationship. Now we just work oh, on a now we just okay. work on a podcast. <laughs> so do you think that that has made you better friends? Has it strained your relationship? Because it's kind of like a business partnership, right? Or it's kind of like a working relationship. It's like the it's like the worst business in the history of <laughs> no, the universe. So Kelly, I, I I lived in New York City for almost two years, and you know Dave was three train stops away, basically. And uh, I saw him once, three times in a year, right. two years. But you, could, but yeah, it was a, your relapse year. Yeah, but even before I relapsed, it was a year before I didn't see you at all. No. And now I don't live in New York City, and I see and talk to you all the time. Yeah, but Chris and I are both very much. Uh, what's the word? It's like we both operate from a place of like. Uh, I, there's a word I'm missing. We, we like, were neurotic. No, well, we're neurotic, but that's not it. It's like we have a, a reason. Like if there's a reason for us, like if like one of us is down and out or something, or like back when Chris was in Brooklyn, he started to look for drugs. So I, would, <laughs> I would hear from him a lot then. Or like, or like if part of the relationship, I went through a shitty relationship thing, and I was Dave kind of helped me through it. There, if there's a reason, or so like. Or, or I was going through something, or I, I had to get through something, or I, I had just started to get uh, clean again, and, and, I, and I started to talk to Chris. And that was before we did the podcast. That's really what happened. Yeah. I got clean again, you know, a few months before we started Dopey, and Chris had been clean for about a year. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. And, 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 and so I, I needed to talk to somebody who had done it. Yeah. And and right. we, and we started from there, and then I mean the only reason that we still talk as much as we talk is because we've created this beautiful thing together. Yeah, you know, and I don't think right. that we would be less good friends. We just wouldn't have to talk. Yeah, I talk to him every day. No, you don't. We we, we communicate every day. You don't talk to me every day. You, you text. You want me to talk to you more? No, it's talking <laughs> to him is like torture. He asks he like he asks me questions like. That he thinks I should think he's interested. He's like, he's like, so what are you doing? He asks me weird oh, questions that he doesn't, he doesn't want to know the answer to. And I'm like, dude, you don't care. It's horrible. But we're friends. Yes, we're friends. Okay. Uh, if you guys could change, you guys are both big 12-steppers, right? If you could change one thing about current 12-step culture, um, what would it be? Oh, that's a tough question. I'm going to, uh, I, I would change, like, in meetings... Like they just say weird shit that don't that isn't helpful in meetings. <laughs> they they say, you know, the only thing you can do is not take that next drink or drug. The on, the only thing you have to do is is come back tomorrow. 
you know, uh, take what, take, take what you want and leave the rest. It's like, I mean, I, and I had all that stuff at meetings and I got lucky that like I, I caught on to, the, I needed to get clean when I got clean, you know, and I got lucky. Now I'm in this crazy, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, study and like, it's very much this guy who runs the study. All he talks about is like the only solution to this problem is actually doing the step work. Going to meetings uh-huh. isn't going to do it and, and doing the step work properly so that you attain some sort of spiritual fitness like the dudes in the Oxford group. Because the Oxford group did it to be spiritually fit and they just found that addiction and alcoholism fell away as a byproduct, right? Right, Chris? Isn't that the thing? Yeah. Well, I mean, the Oxford group was the first six steps. And I, to answer your question, I would say actually that if somebody's choosing the 12-step path – to actually, and I think this might be the opposite of what Dave was saying, to more closely mirror what the original founding members entailed, which was the 12 steps and the meetings. That's exactly what I just said. I, That's so just what he said. I thought you were saying that you were going to say not. Nah, you were saying to get away from that. No, I yeah. was saying, saying do the steps. Yeah, do the, so this, the, I think that ultimately. And How again, could you think I was saying the opposite of that? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know. I thought you were following it up with something else. I would have followed it up. Um, I I would say to to do that to get more closely to more closely align with what was originally envisioned, you know, in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and doing step work. And again, that's if you're choosing to do the twelve steps. I mean, they weren't designed as a as a self help group, and like that's sort of what it's became over time. And yeah. it's it's great that there's a component of that, and that's the fellowship. But you know, it's it's three different things. You know, it's trust God, clean house, help others. You know, and and the, the cleaning the house, like you do that through the step work. You know, and and helping others, that's through step work and trusting God. That's connecting connecting with something greater than you. And I think work. that people hurl mud at the twelve steps who have difficulty with the higher power piece. And if they do, then then. Then go somewhere else, and you know, don't don't do it. Then you know, it's like give it a give it a try, and if it's not for you, then try something else. It isn't supposed to right. be this all encompassing thing, you know what I mean? It's like this is this is the program of action, and 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 try it. I like wholeheartedly think that everybody should really give it a real try, but if if you're not willing to do that, then try something else. Right? Yeah, I think that's so important. That there are other options out there. You know, there are other pathways. Yeah. Um, so let's see here. Oh, so in our program, in the Work at Health program and in AA, I mean, in all different pathways, the 30-day mark is so hard to make, right? You know, people come in and out and get the 30-day chips all the time. Um, I know when I was trying to get sober, it was always so hard to get those 30 days. Um, what advice do you guys have for the people trying to make it to the 30 days? I guess this is kind of one of the big things that you guys are always talking about with people on Dopey that are struggling, but... Um, do you have any specific advice or specific key important things? Well, I can speak personally. For me, when I relapsed and it was really like towards the end and my addiction was super progressed, uh, I, I more or less had to be under lock and key. You know, and it was Go like, away. There was like a, a huge <laughs> – there was a huge value to treatment, not for like the psychoeducation or for even the group work. It was just for like – being removed from society for a period because it was so fucking hard for me to just put it down, you know, when I was in the environment that I was using in. 
Um, yeah. So get, and I recognize that that's not a possibility. That's just it's not feasible for most people, you know, financially or because of their work or otherwise. So in that case, then you know, I it's a rigorous action, doing something every single day um, for yourself, the self care activities, whatever that looks like, if that's yoga, exercise, um, you know, meeting with other people, like, you know, having a positive peer group, like, but something every single day, you know, for 30 days, because it's like, it's just, it's, it's kind of crazy to think that, um, people are just going to kind of put it down and and just stop. That's the big, like, that's the crazy, that, that, that's the confusing part about this is like there's this element of choice where it's like, why don't you just stop? Why don't you just stop? And it's like you're asking to basically, um, you're competing with like, you know, your neurons have been firing a certain way for so fucking long that in in order to kind of <clears throat> redirect them and create new healthy pathways in your brain, like it requires action, you know? It's not just going in and seeing a therapist for an hour once a week. Like that's a, a, a drop in the bucket. It's also antithetical to the process. It's like to do that. It's like when I finally got clean, it was the first time I got clean without going away. Yeah. Like I remember I, I like – and I was just taking pills. I, I was like taking – you know, benzos and some... You weren't balls to the wall. I wasn't balls to the wall yeah. in terms of um, in terms of uh, opiates the way I had been earlier. But I was smoking weed every day. I was taking benzos four or five times a week. I was taking uh, opiates three or four times a week. Yeah. And... Um, but I was stoned constantly. Oh. And um, and I had to get clean. And I and I knew that I couldn't really go away. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a time that I could right. go away, yeah. and uh, and I was crazed, uh, like because basically what had happened was that my family had found out that I was using, and my my uh, my child visitations was taken away from me. Yeah, and it and it fucked up my head, and um, and I went to AA at seven thirty in the morning, and like I was like. I'm just going to do this. And, yeah. then, and, and there was a meeting that luckily met seven days a week yeah. at 7.30 in the morning. So I would go there at 7.30 in the morning. I would call you. That was when, I, that was when yeah, our call friendship me all the time. Yeah. Had, had really kicked in because I, I would just start calling people. And that, that's the beauty of AA is that you, you get all these people's phone numbers who understand, first of all, what you're going through and the cravings you know, to use substances to feel better. And also, you just keep telling the same fucking story. You just you call one guy, you tell him what's bothering and then you. And then he's like, you got to go. And then you call somebody else and you just say the same story over and over. You just keep saying it until you're fucking tired at the end of the day. And like I would, I, I would do that. I, 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 would, I would be on the phone as much as I, would, I could be. I would take suggestions. I would like... I was like doing a hundred push-ups every day, and like I was like, remember I had a pull-up bar? I was like, I was like crazy, Whoa. and um, and I was smoking a ton of cigarettes, <laughs> and I was writing on the steps. I like got a sponsor immediately, yeah. And I started writing on the steps, and um, and for me, it's like when my brain is at rest, I'm in big trouble in the beginning. Yeah. So it's like I would just keep my brain. In motion. If I'm playing a song, if I'm watching a movie, if I'm on the phone, I would go to as many meetings as I could. I would go out to like set up dinner dates with people. I would just like see people and be busy. Yeah, you know. And and then you get to thirty days, and you're like, I don't want to lose it. Like I didn't want to give it up. It was so precious to earn it. I didn't want to give it up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But on the other hand, when I would go, 
when I would go away to a, to a thing, because yeah. my first reaction was the same thing you said, yeah. which is get you know go away where you're under lock and key. But when I would get out of there, yeah. I would I would be like I, w- I could use one more time because yeah. I've been under lock and key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what would happen to me every time. The same vigor. Well, that's the whole thing is that recovery starts after treatment. You know exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Um. Let's see. Okay, I'm gonna just ask a couple more. Um, oh, this is a big one I wonder about. You guys just use your first names, right? And you have your dashes over your eyes and pictures. Have you ever talked about this before? Um, are you guys purposely staying anonymous? Yeah. <laughs> Dave's got a family, and I'm in a uh, grad school, and I don't honestly know how uh, Dopey would reflect on my uh, future career. I think I'd like to get uh, licensed before there's any sort of unveiling. <laughs> <laughs> I think so it's, it's not. It's not a twelve-step thing. It's a no. Um, it's just it's a, a it's, dopey thing. When we started doing it, I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. You know, I didn't right. know what the response would be, and um, and I and I I didn't want anyone to Google my name, especially like my kid or their friends, and have it come up like that. You know. That I had seizures, or I threw my burning couch out the window, or <laughs> I overdosed, or or any of it. Like I don't want that to be associated with my first and last name. Yeah. But on the other hand, I do believe that Dopey should be the Regis and Kathy Lee for dope fiends. <laughs> and uh, once Chris gets his licensure, I wouldn't be against like making an income with Dopey and not being on. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, you guys should have a big coming out party. I mean, not in that way, but unveiling <laughs> the identities, you know? Yeah. Um, and then who's been your favorite dopey guest of all time? Do you guys have specific favorites? Oh, man, there's been I a have lot. a favorite. Who's your favorite? Todd. Oh, Todd, for sure. Todd. And my Todd, yeah. Todd, Todd is just like, for me, it's like Todd is like the most bittersweet because I used to get high with Todd. Like, I, I, I got high with Todd more than I got high with anybody. And uh, and the word and Todd's not clean, yeah. You know, and I it's like, when, and, and I don't hang out with him anymore. So when I get him on Dopey, I feel this this real feeling. I, I like I love Todd. I love how he tells a story. He's so funny. He's easy to talk to. He's very sad. He gets the jest. You know, yeah. He knows he, what this is about because yeah. he, he's such a storyteller. So. Yeah. Um, in terms of people who I guess um, are a little bit more popular. I mean, Noah Levine was good. Brandon Novak was good. Bob Forrest has been good. Brandon Novak was great. But uh, some of my favorites, again, is just it's just addicts just like us. You know what I mean? It's not people who necessarily yeah. have, you know, made a career in the field or something. My dad's always good. Your dad's good. <laughs> um, oh, and Callie. Callie is great, dude. You're, you're such yeah. A, <laughs> such a kiss Callie, who's your favorite Dopey guest so far? What, how much have you listened to? Let's see. I mean, I've listened to a fair amount now. I haven't listened to all of it, you know. I don't blame I you. I think, yeah, <laughs> I, you can blame me. I mean, I have tried to listen to a lot. I think I really like Brian. Is he the guy who, who's the guy who hit his head? Quadru- uh, Hot Wheels. Oh, Brian. Yeah, yeah, Hot Wheels. No, I, I love Hot Wheels. Yeah. I love Hot Wheels, and I've talked to him on Reddit. What's ah. up, Hot Wheels? Holler. Ooh. But, um... I, the guy who fell and hit his head, or not, who got like attacked in New York, and he talked oh, about Oh yeah, Al-Anon. Gay Brian, Gay Brian. Oh yeah, he was great. Yeah, he was awesome. Yeah, I really yeah. like him. He talked about um, 
he talked about going to Al-Anon because he was like so ashamed to go back to meetings, like mm-hmm. being so worried about what people thought of him. You know, I think he and, said he like, got more. He got more out of Al-Anon than AA. Well, it's because he had an yeah. addict mother and yeah. an alcoholic father. He's yeah. very Al-Anonic. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a good word, Al-Anonic. Yeah, he was yeah, a great he, guest. He was a great, and I knew he would be a great guest. We've had so many great guests. You know, we really have. And like, I mean, I fucking th- these guys that died. Um, right. Dave Marshall was a great guest. Who we erased it, but when he called in and he he talked so rawly about what had just happened to him, uh, and he was just he was a great guest. Jed from Church and Other Drugs is always good to have on. Um, I don't know. I, I think most of our guests have been fun for the most part, right? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Except that British guy. Who's that British guy? Oh, Sam Cutler. Oh yeah, that was rough. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, was a, I wasn't a part of that. I don't so. want to. <laughs> that won't be remembered. But yeah. but yeah. Um, okay. I mean, that's all the questions I have. Perfect. Great. Yeah. Th- thank you, Kelly. Uh, We're. Yeah. Oh, I- your listeners a discount code so if anyone wants to sign up for work at health my pro- the program that i work for they can use the code dopey when they check out and get 10 percent off so you go to work and use the code dopey and get 10 percent off okay say it one more time okay if you want to sign up for work at health um an online addiction program you can go to work and use the code dopey when you check out and you'll get 10% off. Wonderful. Do you think Work at Health wants to give us some money? Maybe you guys could sponsor us. Um, yeah, I can ask. I mean, I'm not like the person in charge of that, but we might. Like, I think you guys are so good at, um, you know, just talking to people and explaining addiction to the people who are trying to get help, you know, and so open-minded about not just being about 12 steps. But we reach a lot of people. It could be, yeah. it could be really worth your money. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll pitch it. I'll Callie, pitch it for you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on. I can't wait to listen to this episode. Well, it's coming out tomorrow, so get ready. I'm ready. All right, cool. Thanks, Callie. Okay, bye. 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 Well, that was awesome. Very nice. Um, Hot girl, fuck by life. Just call her. Let's just run it back. Huh? Let's run it back. Let me run it Thank back. Thank you, Callie. Run it back. Do another. You yeah, use that at your lingo in your... Uh... Run it back? Yeah. In football, maybe. You run it back? You never played football. No, but I know that they run it back. Hello? There we go. You're so excited that you say hello before the phone rings. Hello? Hello? Alana. Hey, it's Chris. What's going on? No, much. How are you? I'm good. I'm here with Dave, and we're recording. <laughs> hey, Dave. What's going on? Just, I'm, like, sitting in bed and just reading right now. Alana texted yeah, me and said thanks. she's very nervous. She sounds nervous. Don't be nervous. Our <laughs> show's so stupid, Alana. You have, like, 50,000 people that look at your naked body every day. Don't be nervous about this. <laughs> Actually, I was telling someone last night, I was like, you know, I've met a lot of celebrities, I've done all this crazy shit, I had this page in the New York Times, but I was like, these guys are my heroes. Like, You're the I'm best. I'm really nervous. <laughs> listen, listen, this, this week, right, I was working, and I'm working at my restaurant, 
And you know, and this fucking guy, um, Mike D from the Beastie Boys, was there. Okay. I and yeah. I and I like and I and I'm just I could say anything to anybody under any situation. <laughs> and there's Mike D and like. I like lost my mind. I like was talking stupid and I was like, uh, he was like, he needed a chair and I was like, your name is Mike D and you get respect. And that was like a line from like License to Ill. And like, he was like, oh, that's cool. It was like, I was like nerding out and it, and it, so I, I can relate. And he sang that song Intergalactic. Okay, why don't you do a little Intergalactic for a moment? Intergalactic. You're so annoying. <laughs> But the, the point is, Alana, we're not Mike D. And we don't get any respect. You, you're way bigger than us. So, come on. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not that cool. I, I was doing a... You know, tonight I did a puzzle. And I, I watched some TV and I'm reading. So, my lips like definitely a facade. Like, not what it looks like online. You have an Instagram facade. You should, do, you should fucking post pictures of you, like, reading. You, like, doing crossword puzzles. <laughs> I know, then the followers will drop, and, you know. Do you make money on that thing? Sorry, what did you say? Do you make money on that thing? Uh, no, no. People are like, it's so funny. Like, I have a regular job, and everyone, people are like, you work? And I was like, fuck yeah, like, I gotta pay my rent. Um, and I'm in school, like, I, but I, I, like, because of Instagram, because I'm from, like, a small town, and in Canada. I live in Toronto, by the way. You guys think I, like, you guys had it all twisted. But You live um, in Canada now? Yeah, I live in Toronto. <laughs> I thought you lived here. Yeah, I, I didn't know. No, no, I lived in, I lived in New York for, like, like, uh, probably two, three years, and that was, like, a lot of heavy using, and then, basically, a big reason I left was because I was like, I'm never getting clean in New York. Like, that's just not going to happen. Wait, why did I, I like, thought it was, like, Washington or Seattle for some reason. I don't know. Washington, I was like, what the fuck are they on about? <laughs> Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, wait, hold on. Before you, wait, wait, before you continue, we're total idiots. This is Alana, uh, I won't say your last name, and she has uh, an Instagram, Hot Girl Fuck My Life. We read her email, which was amazing, uh, a few weeks ago. So for all the listeners, that's who we're talking to. Thank, thanks uh, for clearing that up. Well, they didn't up. know. We just fucking, God, we just called her and Listen, started. When I said hot girl fucked by life. Yeah, do you think they immediately knew what that was? Dude, everybody knows hot girl fucked by life. <laughs> <laughs> I see a ton of, like, a ton of people had messaged me and be like, hey, like, listen to the podcast, like, it's great, like, or they hadn't heard and, like, now they listen to it. Like, people inside, outside recovery, so. It's because like, of you. They want to be you. Like, there's this, there's this girl. No, 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 no. They want to slide into her DMs. That's what they want to do. <laughs> slide into the DM. You know what that means? Yes, I know. <laughs> do you, what do you, do you think I'm that stupid that I don't know what that means? You're not old. Um, no, I know what that means. Uh, Alana, if you ran our Instagram account, what would you do differently than Chris? I mean, like, <laughs> it's just, you, there needs to be, like, a better, I mean, like, I'm thinking, like, school-wise, like. Like, there needs to be, like, a consistency in imagery, like, a brand identity, and, like, like, I don't know. I mean, it's funny, I'm actually, I'm work, I'm making something for you guys right now, but I just, today was my last day of, of class for the semester, but just, like, it looks, 
Well, you know when you go on like a, a parent's in, uh, Facebook, like your mom's Facebook, that's what it looks like to me. Like it's just like some <laughs> ancient, like, uh, I don't know, someone, someone really old writing it. I think so I do like, a great job. Like my mom's Facebook. <laughs> Chris is sure that since I'm like 10 years older than him that he's like cool like that that like it's like because he thinks he's like and he's not by the way Alana and the Dopey Nation Chris is definitely not cooler than me he says cray cray and texts KK but that doesn't make you cooler than me I promise you um, but anything yeah, you want to he's that like millennial touch you know yeah. like Look, j- listen do you, do you remember, I don't know how much of Dopey you've actually listened to, but in the beginning... I think I... I like, I probably, like, um, like ten, missing 10 episodes, but, like, I, I've listened to, like, all, almost all of them. There was this guy on the West Coast that calls himself Crazy Otter, and he writes us all the time, and he sends, like, weird art. He sent us, like, a version of the Dopey logo with Carlos Santana, and it said peyote instead of dopey, which I love. But he wrote me last night. He wrote me, he's like, what the fuck? You're begging hot girl fuck by life to be your art director, and I've obviously sent more art than her. (laughs) It's like, sorry, Otter. You know, but... um, So, I mean, like, it's just... There's not a lot of perks of being a woman in life, but like things like that, you know, <laughs> you get the upper hand. <laughs> totally. So, Alana, I know you um, said you had a story or two, but could you maybe start by just telling us about the whole shaved head thing? And, you know, you wrote it in the email, but could you expand on it a little bit? Uh, yeah, so it's, <laughs> it's so funny. Like, I, uh, yeah, so like I was, um, I mean, using heavily, and, and um, I hadn't, I, I took, I kind of ran away from home, and I, when I, when, it was like my 19th birthday, and I ran away, and I went to New York, from Calgary, which is like, out west in Canada, and, and my, I didn't tell any of my family, like, I just took off, anyways, and then, like, I was out in Toronto, and then, like, I hadn't, I hadn't been back, basically, in, like, a couple of years, and during that time, I, got, I was just, like, in over my head, um, and, uh, I, I can't, finally my parents convinced me to come back, only, even just to visit, and I, and I came back, and, and, like, on a darker note, like, I, I didn't have, I like many addicts, like, I, my, my, uh, childhood was, like, quite dysfunctional, there was just, like, prevalent abuse in the household, so, I think, um, like, I had that, almost like that, yeah, euphoric recall, that I was like, oh, I, I love this. I miss my family, and so I just, like, forgot that my family was so fucked up. And then I came home, and, yeah, I have a twin brother, which I don't know if I mentioned. You did. You did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it was my twin brother, and and he's currently still in active addiction. I haven't heard from him in years, and probably since that. And, uh, yeah, I had, like, I, I still already dressed crazy. I had, like, tattoos and stuff, and, like, yeah, and we just got in this crazy fucking fight because... I don't know, like, he, he's just an idiot. <laughs> so I, I wasn't, I didn't want to be back, really, and, uh, and just, like, I had just such, I was so spicy, like, back in the day, like, I was a real hothead, and, uh, yeah, so anyways, we go at it, and he's like, oh, 
you think you're cool because you are in New York. Like, you think you're so fucking cool. Like, he's like, you know what you are? Like, you're a fucking crazy bitch. Like, that sort of thing. Mm. And I'm, and he's like, and you're a crackhead. <laughs> like, all this stuff. And I was like, you want to see crazy? I'll show you fucking crazy. And just, of course, like, reach for the scissors and, like, start hacking my hair off. And uh, oh my it was, God. like, my ex-boyfriend. Yeah, <laughs> my ex-boyfriend was there and one of my brother's friends. And they were all just like, holy fuck, she's out of her goddamn eyes. <laughs> so I started hacking off. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, I wanted... So at that point, I hacked off, like, half my hair, but it was... Um, so I went upstairs and my, I don't even really remember this, like this was, this was all like told back to me and my ex-boyfriend was like, well your hair is insane, like you're, you know, you like you just have like, like heel hair now, so he's like, we have to cut it off, but like, um, we didn't have like clippers, so he's like, I have to bick your head, so he like put shaving cream on my head and completely bicked my head. So, like, I didn't, like, I have hair now, like, you know, like, there's a, you could tell, it's like a buzz cut. But yeah, there's, like, like stubble. I, it, I was, like, like, shiny, bald. <laughs> You're, like, Uhura. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I, absolutely, out of my fucking mind. Um, and, yeah, of course, then my parents, so I came down um, in the morning. And this is actually a funny part, I, I forgot to mention, so my, my older brother... He's, like, probably the most normal one in our family. Like, the rest of us are all fucked up. But he, uh, he had this girlfriend, and, and they're still together. And, and, like, I mean, she's so sweet. She's such, like, a normal girl. And, like, she had come. She was invited over to for brunch, like, to meet me. And, like, uh, I think she, like, brought flowers. She's just such a sweet girl. And my parents are, like, come downstairs. Like, Aaron's here. Like, come say hello. And I just, like, stomp downstairs. I'm, like coming down I'm like still probably drunk and I just have no hair and like her face this is the first time she's even met me <laughs> and my mom's like Jesus Christ Alana like what the fuck happened and like my this girlfriend is like like her jaws dropped and like and I've seen her like one time since and I could just tell she was like horrified of me <laughs> Alana were you were you a model at that point already no, that this all like really happened like after I shaved my head because it was like this kind of like uh, <coughs> little trend thing that I guess was kind of relevant for a bit. Just um, yeah, but it was all because I mean like I'm not very tall and like I'm I'm covered in tattoos and, and that was kind of just like my thing. Like I mean. I kind of look just like a normal, regular girl if I have hair. But it was, like, that was the, that was, like, the selling point of that. I had to just, had a shaved head. And now there's, like, you know, models with shaved head. There's, like, a diamond, diamond, or diamond dozen. But, like, I was, um, like, one of the first girls in the little Instagram world that had done it. But now, uh, yeah. So but, is that, is that, that how you... What, yeah, and then for so long I lied about what... Like, you know, people were, like, thought it was this, like, beautiful decision I made to, like, make a statement against, like, beauty, like, like, conforming to, like, a beauty standard, and and I was, like, fuck, that's just, like, not at all what it was. You were just a psycho bitch who got drunk and fought her brother and cut her hair. 100%. And, like, like I said, I have this full page. New York Times article about it. But how did it, but this is my question. 
This is my question because it's like if I shaved my head, I mean, obviously I'm not a hot girl who's been fucked by life. But I mean, like, how do you go from Alana the girl to this superhero character that people are interested in? It was, I mean, like you had an Instagram account, you were a print model. Like, what was the thing that turned you into this thing? I think it was because, like, what it honestly, what it was, um, was like I. This is like my third Instagram because I, I, I have been like reported so many times and like on my original one like I was out of control I would post crazy fucking things like it would be my friends and I out partying um and like I would like I was just a menace and I think it was like entertaining for a lot of people so I kind of just like caught on and then eventually I had like accumulated some followers and one uh, there was a man who was like working for doing like creative direction for Kanye West and he kind of he was the one that kind of, I don't know how he found me, but he did. And then he was the one that kind of got my foot in the door. Right. But basically how it all started, because I would just post like outrageous stuff with my friends and I partying, you know. What was the craziest just, thing you posted back then? Sorry? Like what was a, an example of some crazy shit you put on Instagram? Oh, like, I don't know, like, people doing, you know, lines off of, like, a girl's tits. Like, just, like, it's, like, so stupid to me now. It was, like, but all these, like, hot girls, and we'd be in a club, and there'd be, like, just a girl with naked with, like, drugs all over her, you know, like, we're backstage with, like, some rapper. It's, like, it's yeah. just so ridiculous now. Think- and, like, it's so funny because, like, I come across that stuff sometimes on my, like, just on my feet, and then I'm just like, oh, you just have that girl. Like, you need a hug from daddy. <laughs> I think like, I Googled I you, and I saw a picture of you naked on the toilet. And I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, sorry, say that again. I, I didn't hear that. I think when, when you wrote us the email, I Googled you, and I found a picture of you, uh-huh. like, very naked on the toilet. And there was, like, and there were no rappers, yeah. and there was no drugs, but it was still very provocative. <laughs> Yeah, and that was the thing is, like, I'm so, like, I still am, like, I'm very, like, open. I don't find that I'm, like, hypersexual, but I've always been, like, very, uh, just, like, open with nudity, I guess. And so it was, I think that was, like, a big thing. And it would be kind of, even if it was kind of unflattering, it would be, like, like, me sitting on the toilet naked. And, like, people are, like, just... People aren't such fucking squares that just, like, blew their goddamn mind. I don't really understand, but... What about, when, what about like, when you want to jump on somebody, somebody like, a BMX bike? Wasn't that the other week? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you, my, my, my girlfriend just took a picture of me on the toilet, and I don't think anybody would ever want to see it. We should do hot guy fuck by life, and it's just Chris on the toilet. <laughs> Maybe I should post a picture after this episode of me on the toilet. I th- only, if you're, only if you're naked. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so funny because, like, I, I totally understand how ridiculous it is. It's like, and that's the thing is, like, I think, like, people get really, like, you know, like, confrontational with me online and DM me stuff. And I was like, this is a huge joke to me. Like, I have a completely normal life. Like, I, uh, that I keep very separate from this, but it's, it is just it's funny. It's so curated. And, That's amazing, yeah, though, because the power, yeah. because it's the power of lust. You know that there are people out there who are like so susceptible to this lust, and you're fucking with them. It's like a joke to you, and it's oh so God, meaningful actually, to them. Okay, so I got this. 
and me. You know how I write prisoners, right? Yeah. So I got this, um, there's one guy that I'm particularly close with, and he sent me this letter, and it, it, he said, like, I've never met this dude, like, we've only been writing for a couple months, and he said this to me today, I have a screenshot of it, he says, what I fear is the effect you have on men, um, you have learned to use as a weapon against the weight of the world upon you, uh, the way you regain control in some limited way, and yet it leaves you further broken and unsatisfied with no sense of truth, uh, true worth. Yeah, which I was like, them. But he really, <laughs> I got like he really called me out, and I was like, how I don't long? Even how, know this guy. How how much time is he doing? Okay, so this is really this is so incredible. So he um. He um, was on death row, and he, about 12, he's been in for 25 years, and he committed his crime when he was, like, 19, and it was a drug-related, like, um, he's in recovery, and he has been 20 years clean, and he, it was, like, basically this weird drug thing, um, and he ended up killing a guy. So um, he, he was put on, he had no prior convictions, but it was, um, Anyways, that's, like, a whole other thing. But he got, like, he was found death row, and then, like, 15 years later, they put him on to, like, LWAP, like, like without parole. And then he's, he's in his time that he's been in jail, he's, like, had a... Uh, he's never been in trouble. He's, like, completed, like, three degrees. He's, like, a part of this, like, other program. And then in the last year, like, the senator of California is doing this thing where he's, like, lifting sentences and, like, pardoning, like, sentences. And he, and, like... Um, he's been eligible for it. So he's currently going back and, like, possibly getting out, like, next year. And uh, he was telling me today, because we spoke on the phone, like, the director of, like, the Hangover, like, hang like the Hangover trilogy and, like, Knocked Up, like, apparently he's, like, sponsoring this whole thing and, like, he's, like, backing him up. And, like, he has, like, an incredible chance of, like, getting out. And he, like... Um, and he's, he's got like, your address. So <laughs> Sorry? And he's got your address. He's going to come with his bags and say hello. <laughs> no, no, I just feel lost. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> is he in love with you? Sorry? Is he in love with you? I don't know. He, that's, that's the thing is, like, now he starts being like, I have feelings for you. And I was like, listen, like, it's just because, like, I'm probably the only woman you've talked to in 25 years. Yeah. I was like, that's it. Like, but it, but he's uh, like very respectful, very articulate, like has such incredible insight in recovery and life. And like, I really, truly value like the conversations. And like, I'm so happy to be a part of like this, like this thing where they call me, he's like, oh, I'm like going to court today. Like I might be getting out. Like it's really exciting. But, but he, yeah, he's very respectful. But yeah, he, he has been like, I have feelings for you. And I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> Well, of course. I mean, even just from what you you read, though, he sounds super eloquent. You know. No, it's incredible. Like, yeah. like the stuff he sends me, and like, yeah, it is really cool. All right, Alana. Like, so, yeah. so we have we have like ten minutes left or so. Do you have maybe like a quick story if you want to tell, and then tell us how you got sober? You said a little bit in the email, but if you have a story, if you don't, whatever. I mean, you already told the shaved head no, thing. No, I, I want to hear I about. A good one. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's hear it. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I mentioned, like, I came, I left Cal 
Calgary. I, I ran away. I just thought, I only told my brother. I was like, you know, if anyone, like, if it really gets intense, like, and anyone really, you know, just worst comes worst, like, I'm, I'll be in New York. So I left. I went to New York, and I, and I, I moved in with this guy that I met online. He was, like, I was, like, 19, and he was, like, 30, and he was, like, this Puerto Rican dude, and his, and yeah, he's like, yeah, you could stay with me. Um, and it was like on Spring Street, right off of Bowery and Lower East Side. And, and then he lived with uh, his brother who had just gotten out of jail. And he was like dropping out of the house. Um, and like, I lived there with them for like a while. And I like, I, he was like, listen, just don't ever say one word to my brother. Like, so I lived with this like crazy economic dude. We never exchanged one word. But basically the deal was like, I could stay at this house in low, like on Spring Street, as long as I like got groceries, and I was like, "Fuck yeah!" Like, and it was, it was like, I like, it was pretty sketchy, but it was my ticket out of town, right? And I like, yeah. was like, fucked up conservative family, and I was like, oh, "I'm gonna be living in like Lower East Side, like that blows my mind." So I left, and um, I already went there, and I had like no money, and um, I was burning through like everything I had, and I was like, "God, I gotta stay here." But I'm Canadian, so I was like, I couldn't really work. So I was like, started going on Craigslist and stuff. <laughs> and I found this, uh, these guys, and they were like, okay, we're we're having this like uh, party, and it's on it's on Wall Street. It's a private event, and the theme was like it was like a Japanese themed party. So they're like, we want to do like a naked human sushi platter. You know, it's like it's like very traditional Japanese, but like obviously it's like modern nice yeah the, the way they are doing it so it's like so bastardized and just like perverted yeah but they were like okay but it's like on wall street and they're like we'll pay you like 300 dollars american like an hour um and i was like okay fuck that's pretty easy like um so they're like come to our apartment and meet us so i get there and i had like a, a knife in my bag because i was like if this gets weird like but it was like a steak knife. It was like just something I found in the kitchen. <laughs> and I went there. <laughs> and this apartment was like out of fucking control. It was it was so crazy. I've never been in anything like it. Like it just, I mean, yeah, it was crazy. So, um, and they're like, awesome. Like, cool. Like you got the job. And I still had long blonde hair and I had like no tattoos. So I was just a very different look. Like it, they were like, perfect. But like, she's great. And I went there and, um, there, so there was like a sushi chef and like um, I laid on this table and they like uh, the sushi chef like put all the sushi on me and then like uh, I laid on this table and he just um, oh wait I forgot to add like so he's like just you know like we're really legit because I think he could tell I was scared and and he was like we are they, so what they were and, and I looked him up and like this was true so they were these Russian guys and they owned a Russian airline company and they had this like crazy penthouse on Wall Street. And so these were the guys that had this Craigslist ad and I, I found it. Anyway, so I um, I was, uh, I did this thing, I laid on the table, it was weird, whatever, these like gross Russian dudes like ate sushi off me and it was just like terribly uncomfortable but I was like, I'm trying to stay in New York, like a <laughs> girl's gotta eat. And um, <laughs> so I finished after a few hours Maybe not like maybe like two hours, and it's just such easy money. I'm getting up, and I like my like jeans, and they're they're all wearing like like suits and dresses, and I I put on my uh, like like uh, I don't know my Chuck Taylors and like 
like a tank top and I'm just about to head out and they're like well why don't you stay like do you want a drink and I was like yeah for sure and like in no time all these guys are like swarmed around me and they're like feeding me drinks and they're like do you want anything else and I'm like obviously so manipulative I was like yeah I want drugs like and they're like okay we'll get you whatever you want and I was like cool like I want blow like give me blow and they're feeding me all this stuff and then they take me to this room and they're like here have some of this and um I had it and then I was like well what is this tasted kind of like different and they're like oh it's ketamine and I just I did so much and I was like oh shit like oh my god and I could just feel I just I just did this like Hollywood line of like ketamine I was like oh god and I was like okay maybe it'll be fine and I could just slowly feel myself like like exact opposite of every other person's story in the world. They go out with money, they turn up like destitute and broke. You go out with nothing, you turn up with no shoes it's lucky and money. You, but it's lucky you made it outside to the street, no, you know what I oh mean? Oh my god, it was so crazy. I mean, the worst part of that story was like, I pissed my pants. Like, <laughs> like whatever. Oh my Alana, god. I totally, I wanted you to really take out that knife out of your bag and be like, listen, motherfuckers, I'm getting out of here now. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. I just, fuck. I mean, it's, it's so horrifying, too. And, like, I'm a bit older now. Like, I mean, like, I'm, like, turning 24. Like, I'm not old, but, like, like, I was, like, 18 when that happened. I was, like, what, like, what a sad, stupid little girl that I, like, would be, like, okay, like, I want money for drugs, but, Eat oh sushi God. off my body and feed me drugs. Like it's just like pathetic. It's crazy. I mean, I like I mourn for that girl. It's, it's quite. Well, you're just it's, you're, yeah. you're lucky. You're very lucky. It's a great story, though. Yeah. Oh, it's, a, it's a classic New York good. story. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was like a good classic dopey, like in yeah. there. But man, I, I used to love ketamine and I mean, yeah. you guys know it. It used to be, it used to be fun, but um, it, until it gets not fun. Alana, we but are. Oh, we're, yeah. We, go ahead, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I just 
how, okay, how I got clean. Um, I mean, like any of us, it just doesn't get fun after a while. And I don't, I think it obviously started off like, um, um, partying and then, you know, then, and then I kind of realized that somebody had said to me, they're like, oh, you're self-medicating. And I was like, oh, fuck. I've never heard that term before. And, um, and I was always going to just take it a little bit too far, you know? And then, like, um, so eventually I was, like, mostly just using a loan. Um, I was really into donors, so just, like, I was really into Oxy's and, you know, Valium out of Anthetics, Costa, like, anything. So, um, it just became to the point where I, uh, I, uh, was just so sick, like, and, um, yeah, I just kind of mentioned that I had, I had, uh, I was trying to get clean for a while, just on my own, my own terms, and obviously that just doesn't really work, like, for me, anyways, like, I need to work the program and, and be of service, but it wasn't until, like, I came across somebody else who, uh, was in, in the program, and like I said, he was just a guy that I met on a set, and he, he's a quite well-known, like, creative director, in New York and he he was in the program and I think obviously that she picked up on it and he was like um let me help you and and uh do you guys know Maddie Matheson like the celebrity chef Maddie Matheson no he has a show on Vice it's like he, it's like dead set on like the supper time okay no and I like only he, know like Gordon Ramsay <laughs> that's so it he's this, like he's this like celebrity chef dude and he uh he's from Toronto and he's in recovery and he's like quite openly in recovery he's like a little he's like a Toronto recovery hero so I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying it but anyways he uh my friend had gotten a hold of him and I didn't know this Maddie before at all and, and him and Maddie were had called me after you know like a week after the set or whatever and he they, they had set up a Basically, they're like, we're, we'll be at this meeting, and there will be some other women in the program. Like, all you have to do is show up, and, like, you could live the rest of your life. Like, you don't have to live like this anymore. And I remember I showed up to the meeting, and they were just like, welcome home. Like, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, and it, was, it was just, like, this, like, very serendipitous, like, total moment of clarity where I was like, fuck, I'm done. Like, I'm done. And, and I... So far, like, relapse hasn't been a part of my story, like, almost two years in, but, like, yeah, I kind of, it was just a, a very, like, yeah, just a very moment you of found, clarity, I mean, you, you can't really it. articulate it, you just, you just know. Yeah. Yeah. So on a scale of one to ten, yeah. one being not at all, and ten being it really saved your life, how would, how much would you say Dopey impacted your recovery? He did and, what? And Robin. I, uh, yeah. sorry? No, keep, keep going. going, keep going. Yeah, he was, he basically this guy in my program who, I was close with him and his wife, he went back out, and, uh, and him and I up until then had a completely appropriate relationship, and he would pick me up from meeting, or pick me up and drive me to meetings, and they were in the holidays with them, and anyway, he went back out, but he, he knew where I lived, and he knew where I worked, and he just showed up, and it was, uh, it was a day after my one year, and he's like, I want to stop by. And uh, 
wish you when you're clean and then like boom just like um he robbed me and anyways I got everything back because I went so crazy and like anyways let's just say I got it back and a window got smashed but uh, after that I, I like I was quite afraid to see him and I also wanted him to have access to meetings like primarily because I was like this dude needs some fucking help um and I turned inwards and it was like it was pretty difficult for me and uh, I was like I don't know how to do it I, I'd like need my recovery so I turned to a podcast but you know like I listened to Share and then like some other ones but they're just so like I don't know like you know they're just so dull and like that's a big reason I like meetings is because there's like a voyeuristic aspect of it right. that I'm like I love hearing these crazy fucking stories I like seeing people like sitting in their chairs tweaking like, right. <laughs> like, yeah. like that's a big part of it for me is like the the personalities you meet like the you know and that was and then I found you guys and it was just like I was like holy shit <laughs> I was like I can't believe I didn't find you guys either <laughs> and I just like binge listened and I remember to my roommate and my best friend he was like I was listening to you guys on my Bluetooth speaker and when it like finally after like two weeks of like binge listening he came out there and he's like and he's very supportive of my recovery he's like I swear to fucking god if you play one letter of those podcasts I'm gonna lose my fucking mind <laughs> so, he's like I don't wanna hear those guys anymore like they're driving me nuts <laughs> so after that I, I was just listening with headphones on <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome yeah, I love and he's that like, yeah, he did fine. He did. He's not very entertaining. Yeah, I have a feeling a lot of people have that reaction to us. <laughs> but um, we love we love that you are such a, a an ardent member of the Dopey Nation. We love that. I love it. I love it when you play us talking about you and you lick your lips. I think that was fucking awesome. <laughs> oh, I thought you guys. Were, I knew you guys would like that. <laughs> that was great. Um, but we gotta go. We're fucking an hour and a half in. But um, listen. Yeah, yeah. Let's set up another one, and you another can tell story. us some particularly horrible dopiness. <laughs> and um, oh my god, I, ha- I still have some good. Like I wanted to go easy on the front, but I, I have a whole list. We'll do like, it in a few you, weeks. Yeah, we'll have you back on in a month or so. But we love having you on, and we love having you a part of everything. It's awesome. We love it. Thank you so much. So, yeah, like this is this is so great, and I'm so happy we're we're in touch now. Right. Yeah. All right, so, cool. so have a beautiful Christmas. And and Alana, write that guy. I'm going to write him, too. I have to write him, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I will, 100%. Okay. Merry right, Christmas. Right. Happy Merry New Year. Year. Yes. Stay strong, Dominion, and toodles. You don't, toodles. Have, to, you don't <laughs> have to say toodles. toodles. You don't have to make him happy. You don't uh, have to say that shit. Uh, all right. Thank you, Alana. All right. Bye. Later. Bye. Bye. Fuck, I forgot about Christmas stories. I know, we gotta do Christmas stories, and he's outside the door right now. No, we're fucked. I wrapped this thing up. All right, stay strong, Dopey Stay strong, Dopey Nation. Drop us a review, like us on Reddit and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Even though you shit on Twitter, it's like the Twitter (laughs) thing is growing, and I need you to tell them, I need you guys to get on Twitter. I need you guys to follow us on Twitter. Like, ten of you right now, follow us on Twitter. Wait, hold on. Hold on. What are you doing? Come here. Hurry up. Stop it. It's still hurting. <laughs> what did you do? Let's, I think we didn't know that. Just say, say hi, Annie. Annie's going to be on the next episode. Hello. This is my hi, lovely Annie. girlfriend, Annie. How say hi. Everybody. Hello. Oh, you are? Yeah. 
Okay, hello. What do you have to say? How was your night? It was really nice. I had dinner at an Italian restaurant called uh, Little Frankie's. Yeah. Really great food. Got to see and hang out with some of my girlfriends. All right, there's enough. And We're going to have you on the next episode. Okay. All right. Bye. Say toodles. Toodles. <laughs> I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I want to be good so bad. I want to be so good, so bad, so bad. I want to be good so bad. Bad desire's all I ever had. And I want to take a ride up in the sky. Watch this aeroplane just pass me by. And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive. Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive. But I want to be good so bad. Want to be so good, so bad, so bad. I want to be good so bad. Bad desire's all I ever had. And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller. And it's time to where I stand. Shadow's getting smaller and smaller. And it's time to where I stand. Busted city far behind. I'll take the high road, however far it winds, because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find. And I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be good so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And these suckers make me mad And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had 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 And these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had